I think it's 89% of, of residents wouldn't move into an apartment complex that didn't have reliable internet or Wi-Fi. It's, it's almost like they wouldn't move in if it didn't have electricity or water or heat. I mean, that's just kind of a given, right? Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Collazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Collazo. Uh, unfortunately, my, my co-host, Jeff Walston, is on a big project right now trying to finalize it all, so he won't be joining us today on the interview. But we have the honor of interviewing Todd Thorpe, a VP of sales at Dojo Networks. Uh, really excited to dive into a little bit about his backstory and, you know, me coming from a tech background. You know, I'm really interested to see, you know, what the the offering itself provides landlords, developers, et cetera, to the marketplace. So, uh, Todd, thanks again for stopping by. Rafael, thank you so much. Very happy to be here. And uh, we can get as, as uh, tech heavy as you want. So, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, well, well, I, I, I so I, just to give you a backdrop on me, I actually, I was in, I was in IT consulting for five years, and you know, so I, I've dealt with a lot of technology uh, on the government side. So we had a commercial off-shelf software product that we helped implement. So you know, every time I have you know tech CEOs or you know other other people that are affiliated in the tech industry that are servicing the commercial real estate industry, it's always kind of fun to you know pick their brain and get an understanding of what they're doing on a day to day. So a lot happening in the space, that's for sure. Absolutely. So as far as, you know, you, you though, I mean, we're interested in learning a little bit more about your backstory. So if you don't mind kind of sharing a little bit of that, I think that'd be awesome. Um, uh, well, well, great. And again, thank you for, for having me on. Um, so I'm one of those, what, what they call a, a, a cable dog, right? So I've, I've been in telecom for a little over 30 years and primarily spent about 20 of that 30 with uh, large cable cable companies, um, MSOs, and been have been working in the multifamily space within that for probably all of that 20 years in multifamily sales, working with property owners, developers, property management companies, providing services to those. Um, so it's a great space. I love commercial real estate. There's so much going on. And then I left the, the large corporate world in about 2019. I did some consulting and was almost ready to retire. I just was, you know, kind of at the, at the end of the career. And I met uh, Dan Myers, who's the president and founder of Dojo Networks. And we just kind of hit it off just through networking. I think it was LinkedIn is, you know, how we really started to, to get to know each other. And then he um, approached me about two years ago, asked me to, to join Dojo as the vice president of sales. I will be celebrating, I believe, my two-year anniversary coming up next month. And it's just an exciting time to, to be in this space. Multifamily is, is an industry that's ever-evolving. And 
um, there, there's so much going on in the, in the technology world right now. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And we're going to dive in a little bit on that front as well, because you're right. I mean, similar to, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, that, that may or may not be in the industry, a lot of times think that, you know, commercial real estate is a lag, which, which in some cases it is, but there are a lot of technological changes that have occurred over the last decade that have just been, you know, monumental in how people interact with the building and everything else. So, you know, I think, you know, as, as we'll dive in throughout this episode, I'm sure you'll, you'll be able to share some insights on that front. So, well, yeah, one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, obviously you, you, you talk about telecom. That was your, you know, you've been in telecom for, you know, decades, mm-hmm. you got into the, you know, commercial real estate side, you know, 20 years ago, what, what was the impetus for that? Was it just more so that opportunity came available and you kind of just took it or was there a reason for wanting to, to kind of go that route? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, I sought that out. Uh, I, I was, you know, asked to, to start the, the, the MDU or, you know, multi-dwelling unit sales division at the company that I was at at the time. And, you know, we built that up from probably about six people within the organization doing what, what are called right of entry agreements and bulk uh, contracts and easements with owners and we built that department up to probably about 200 people when I left. Uh, so it was a, a department that was really in its infancy. And there was a lot going on in the industry at the time. And so we developed that. So it wasn't so much that I, I kind of sought that out. Rather, is um, I was kind of brought in to help lead that with, um, with a great team. And, you know, I, I learned a lot and there, you know, as you know, commercial real estate, it's kind of, it's this small, large group of people, right? Everybody kind of knows each other, especially on LinkedIn, just the, the, you know, the people that are connected and trying to help each other and lift each other up from, you know, on the investment side and the syndicators out there, everybody is, they're after the same thing. And they're looking for those deals. But what's so rewarding is that everybody is trying to help each other be better. And the trade shows and the conferences that we attend, not even just from the technological side, but the investment side and the raising of the capital. I've I've met so many amazing people and very talented, and they bring so much to the table. Um, it's just a great place to, to be. Absolutely. And, and that's one thing I've noticed about the industry as well. It is a very, you know, supportive industry when it comes to, you know, the different partners that you're involved with. And, you know, just in general, I mean, even on our local market on the brokerage side, you know, we have a lot of people that quote unquote are competing amongst, amongst one another to, to win business. But at the end of the day, sure. we're colleagues and we interact with each other on a regular basis. And we're always there to support each other uh, in a variety of different ways. So I, I've definitely kind of felt the same you know, on, on, on the local level. And as we've interacted with so many people on this podcast, I think we've had almost 120 people on the podcast at this point. So I've been talking to people all across the nation and it seems to be a similar type of vibe as well. But you kind of had mentioned, you know, obviously supporting one another, you know, as far as the, from the investment side, I feel like, you know, people do look at, you know, opportunities in the marketplace. And one of the things that they have to think about is the operational side of things. So just because you find a great deal, 
you know, you, you also have to have the pieces in place to make sure that the property functions as, as effective as possible. And, you know, obviously on the, on the, 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 the tech side and cabling, everything else, I guess, could you elaborate, you know, what is Dojo Networks itself? I think that'd be helpful. Yeah. So, so Dojo Networks is a national property-wide managed Wi-Fi provider. So we will install a managed Wi-Fi network within the property, bring fiber into the property from the street, and then distribute that throughout the property within the unit itself, and then the common spaces of that property. So when the resident moves in, they are immediately what, what we call a frictionless experience. So when they move in, they are connected, their devices, their phone, their tablet, their computer. There's from an onboarding standpoint, there's really nothing that they have to do. So they go to the leasing office, process all that paperwork, they move into the into the property, and they're on the network. It's it's kind of similar to if you check into a hotel and you go to the front desk, you check in, you know, so what's what's the Wi-Fi password, right? And they give that to you so you can connect to the network. It's kind of similar in that sense. So you stay at a resort or a hotel, you're on the Wi-Fi network, you know, hopefully. In you wouldn't even think to stay in a, a hotel anymore if they didn't have Wi-Fi. If they if they said they didn't have it, you probably would look at them a little different. Well, what do you mean you don't have Wi-Fi? So it's it's expected. And I kind of look at it from back in the day, and I'm probably dating myself a little bit. I don't know if some of your, your listeners can relate. But the days of you know cable TV when it was in its infancy, and you would see on the on the marquee outside of the hotel or the motel, free cable TV, and it was in the enticement to stay, and free HBO at, at the property. And then it became free Wi-Fi, right? And as an enticement to stay at that, at that hotel or resort. Now Wi-Fi is, is kind of taking the place of that. Cable, you know, TV, traditional TV is kind of dropping that viewership and streaming has taken over. And what do you need to stream? You need internet, you need reliable internet, it needs to be dependable. And Wi-Fi now, and the statistics are, are staggering, the number of people, I think it's 89% of, of residents wouldn't move into an apartment complex that didn't have reliable internet or Wi-Fi, it's, it's almost like they wouldn't move in if it didn't have electricity or water or heat. I mean, that's just kind of a given, right? Wi-Fi is now a utility. It's the fourth utility and it just has to work and it has to be reliable. And I think with COVID and a lot of work from home, people experienced that. And, uh, you know, they have to be online. Um, Podcasts and Zoom calls and all of this communication, which is virtual, has really kind of made Wi-Fi that must have. So for owners and developers who are uh, adopting this technology and putting it in are the ones that are really having a home run and they're increasing the value of their asset. And, you know, regardless of, of the hold time, whether it's five years or, or not, they're increasing the value of their asset. They're increasing NOI um, at the property by, 
by adding value. And we're seeing it across the board. It's not just um, luxury high rise. We're doing this in value add properties where they're you know, not only putting uh, capital into fixtures and new parking lot and paint and landscaping, they're also um, investing in technology. Absolutely. So one just out uh, just the mechanics of it. So in 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 the case of let's say one of those value add in uh, projects, you you take you buy a property, you know you you start the renovation process. You essentially as a company would run cabling within the property to allow for each of the units to have access to Wi-Fi. As far as the the offering right. itself. You know, is it is it a shared system or is it one of those things where you still would go to, you know, your 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 provider, whether it's Spectrum or some of these other companies to, you know, get online as far as, you know, your service is concerned? No, no, we would be the Internet service provider. Okay. so the owner of the developer is going to install the system and. Generally, they're going to pay for it up front. Mm -hmm. it's it's an asset right it's a fixture of the property mm -hmm. so they can in, in the case with us we can finance that capital for them if they do, you know don't have that as part of um you know when they do their pro forma and their underwriting and that's not included in that cost we can certainly assist in the funding of that project but yeah they're going to either pay for it up front pay for it you know in in installments on the capital side we're going to bring a fiber circuit to the property itself, to a data closet somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it depends on if it is a garden style type you know, property, if it is a low rise, mid rise, high rise. So the design itself, the physical design would kind of be dependent upon that. But yeah, you're going to come into a main data or telecommunications closet somewhere, going to install equipment in there. And then we're going to connect depending on how many data closets there are, if it's garden style and maybe if it's, you know, if it's open kind of open breezeway stairway and they're not enclosed, typically you'll need maybe an outdoor cabinet somewhere, metal cabinet upsize of, you know, a you know, large microwave kind of, and then electronics in there, you're going to connect or we would if you don't have a low voltage contractor we can do that connecting all of your buildings with fiber underground in conduit and then running ethernet cat 6a ethernet to every unit and then within every unit would be an access point mounted on the wall with four ethernet ports so the resident moves in they move into their unit there's a, a wall-mounted access point that emits a Wi-Fi signal. They could plug in because there's four hardwired ports on the access point itself, plug in a gaming system, TV, laptop, et cetera. But it would emit a Wi-Fi signal like a consumer-grade you know, cable modem would. But this is enterprise-grade. So we use Ruckus uh, equipment, which is kind of top-of-the-line equipment in the industry. And then the resident not only has the Wi-Fi in their unit, but then they can go anywhere on property because they have what's called a, a, a VLAN or it's a, it's a private area network. And you mm -hmm. probably you know, know that, Raphael, right, from mm -hmm. your, your IT days. So 
they are going to connect as if they're in their unit and they could be at the pool or they could be in the laundry room or wherever the owner wants kind of ubiquitous common area coverage and they can go anywhere on site as if they're still in their unit. So they're connected. Just again, using the hotel example, you go to a resort and you're pretty much on the Wi-Fi network wherever you are. The difference with a managed Wi-Fi system that we would deploy is that is that VLAN experience. So the resident could be at the pool and be connected to an access point outdoor at, in the pool, right? Or at, you know, next to the pool, but they're connected as if they're back in their unit. They could print something from a device poolside and it would print in the printer back in their, in their unit. So that's kind of from a, a, a networking standpoint, how everything kind of comes together. And then there's that reliable, again, Wi-Fi experience that the resident's going to get wherever they are. That's great. No, that, that, and, and that, that kind of helps paint the picture for a lot of people about what the value add would be from a resident standpoint. One thing I'm kind of curious about, obviously, as you know, security is a big concern in tech regardless. So you'd mentioned the private, you know, key that you, you'd have per, per, per individual resident. Is that, I guess, how you mitigate some of that or how, what other, what other ways are you able to do that? That's, that's exactly how you do it. It is a single SSID or, you know, for the listeners, that's your, your network. So when you look at your device and you, you connect to your your network. That's your your SSID. There's a single SSID for the entire property, but every resident has their own username and password to log in. And so what we do is about two weeks before the resident moves in. So we take a rent roll and we integrate. We have our own um, C CMS system called Elemento. That's our our what we call our single pane of glass, and it's our way to manage all of the uh, business aspects. And that gives the leasing staff access to it, the resident access to it, our call center, our knock, everybody has a, a view into Elemento, but that integrates with um, a majority of the, the most common um, property management software out there, like, like, uh, like Yardi and Entrada and that. Um, if it doesn't, if it's, if it's a, um, you know, a system that doesn't, we just would take an ingestion from that. But essentially we build the property inside of Elemento with all of the, with the rent roll, right? From the property, all the addresses are built. We get the name of the resident and their email and their cell phone number. Two weeks before they move in, we email them their credentials to log in. And then the day before they move in, we send it to them again via text. So they can then log in as soon as they step foot on property, they're, they're already on site. And that password is blocked from everyone else. So all you're seeing is just one network. You're not seeing all of these other cable modems that you would see like in a traditional apartment. If everybody got a cable modem out there, you're seeing everybody else's network. You're just seeing one. And then um, if, if people have um, head, what are called headless devices, like an Alexa or something like that. Got to be careful. Don't say that because then she starts talking to you, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, but if they have like an uh, Alexa device or something like that, that, um, you know, we can send out separate SSIDs for, for those types of smart devices, whether it's smart locks, thermostats, if a 
property owner wants to deploy that, what's called that IoT or Internet of Things technology, they can deploy that and the keyless locks, the leak detection, and all of that smart technology, access control. That also would ride over the Wi-Fi network, but we would allocate a separate SSID for all of, all of those devices as well. So that does create that secure environment. Resident doesn't have to worry about it. That's amazing. So are these applications, they are they applicable in a like a hotel or short-term rental situation as well? Or have you seen yeah. that application as well? 100%. We, what we do, we could deploy in a hospitality situation. And, you know, we've, we've done some of those deployments. Um, we don't play in that space though. I mean, yeah. we, we can, mm -hmm. we just don't actively go out and, and target those opportunities. We, we are strictly multifamily student housing, your conventional, traditional type apartment housing, affordable housing. We do a lot of affordable housing and then senior and assisted living type properties because all of them, the design is is essentially the same. Sure. A um, little bit different depending on, on existing ver versus a new construction uh, project. We do about half and half. Uh, about 50% of our business is existing retrofit and 50% of it is um, new construction. And you're really starting to see the new construction side for obvious reasons. You know, you're building a 50 million or 100 or 200 million dollar uh, property. You might as well just put the infrastructure in as you're building it. Walls aren't up, and that way it's done. But retrofitting a property is is very easy to do. Um, you just got to find kind of creative ways to get the wiring so it's either in the ceiling or various pathways. So it's concealed, um, you know, so it looks nice, right? You don't want wires hanging all over and you want it, you want it to be, if you're going to spend the money, especially, you know, you, you buy a property, it's value add and you're trying to take it from a C to a B you, you want it to look nice. That's the whole point of, of that added value. Right. So. Absolutely. And then cabling's an art, man. It really is. I mean, it, I, we had our, <laughs> yeah. our tech guys on site when we were, when I used to be in the, in the software development space and right. I mean, it, they were, it was an art to be able to move, you know, run this cabling wherever they needed to, to make sure it was out of sight, out of mind, wasn't causing hazards or anything like that. So, you know, I could definitely yeah. see where that could be, you know, something you, you have to plan it out. You have to sit down and kind of analyze that. So one thing I'm curious about is obviously from the, the operational standpoint. So, you know, I, I as a landlord, I'm saying, okay, we're going to put in this cabling. We're mm -hmm. going to offer Wi-Fi to the tenant base. It, do you, Have you seen, I guess, more so in applications, is this more like we're offering it as an amenity, like you have a free Wi-Fi, yes. or is there a way to bill back some of this to tenants? Or how, how exactly, yeah. have you, how have you seen it implemented from an operational standpoint? So the the key is what you said is is the word amenity. So from an operation standpoint, and that's where the, the increase in NOI comes in, is charging the resident uh, for a, an additional fee. So just to give your listeners kind of an idea of what, what they could expect. So typically you're going to see, and again, it's going to vary depending on, on where that property is located because of fiber pricing, you might be different in California versus Pennsylvania. But, you know, by and large, um, you know, you take that fiber cost and you're looking at, 
you know, and, and property size, where the break even really starts to make sense is about 100 units and above. You can do smaller properties, but the cost in, in um, you know, your, your return on investment, your ROI is, is, is going to be greater than a larger property. So you're looking at, on average, $20 a unit, you know, a unit um, you know, per, per unit per month, maybe 30 um, or more. But, you know, say that sweet spot is 20, 25. We've seen it even in the high teens. But let's just use $20 a unit and 100 unit property. So that's $2,000 a month that the owner, we would bill the owner. The owner then has a number of different ways that they can recapture that cost. And how they do it is up to them. We don't dictate that. They could just make it free and, you know, it's use it as a marketing expense and not recoup any of that money. That's one way to do it. Just an advertise free internet, right? And just provide it, you know, to the resident. Like some landlords include electric, right? In the rent or water. It's just included in the rent. Or they can charge an additional fee for it. So just like you charge for, um, you know, having a washer and dryer in your unit, you know, it's an extra 40 bucks a month or whatever. So, when you think about it, the retail price from a, from Spectrum, Comcast, you know the the typical AT and T, Verizon. When you call the cable company or the phone company to get your internet, you're probably going to pay north of eighty dollars a month just for internet service, and it's not symmetrical, meaning same up up and down. It would be like three hundred by ten, so you're your download speed, and then your upload speed. So if the owner charges, say, $50 or $60, the resident is still going to pay less than what they would pay on their own going out to get it. So that's, that's very important. The speed that the resident would have would be better than they would get from a provider. Ours is symmetrical speed starting at 100 by 100. So it's the same upload, download. And we can do all the way up to a gig to the unit. If the, And that's really dependent on what the owner wants. And I can explain that. The owner may want to have a gig and advertise a gig to the unit. But now that, there's your NOI, right? So they pay us $20 a unit. They charge every resident 50. They make $30 a unit mm-hmm. off of that. And they could they could put it in their rent. They could charge a tech fee. There's a, you know a lot of different ways, but there's nothing legal or contractual. They can do it however they want. Uh, that's amazing. That's an amazing value proposition because you know, like like you said, let's say it's 100 units. Your delta, what you make is 30 bucks. You multiply 30 by 100. That's 3,000 times yeah. over the course of a year. That's 36,000. And as we all know, NOI you know, divided by a cap rate is going to give you additional value. And so if the cap rate is, I don't know, let's say five cap, just to make the math easy, Mm -hmm. you're looking at, you know, 600, is it 600,000? No, just over 600,000, $720,000 in added value potentially. That was pretty good. I could not do that. Well, and and, and correct correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I'm pretty sure 36,000 divided by 0.5, you're multiplying the, the number by 20 and that's what you would get. So that's what it's a lot. It's a significant value add, you know, and, and, and we're all in the game of, you know, cap uh, forced appreciation. So if you do that, 
you know, you Definitely. can, you can get that, um, you know, that, that, that value you're looking to, to get. So that's great. Uh, it's good to hear. And that. then you have a fixture, you have an asset in the property too. It's an improvement. Absolutely. It's a capital improvement that you, that you now have. And again, you know, most, uh, you know, from what I understand, five-year hold is, is pretty much the, the standard. Some are less, some are more, but now you pass that on to the owner. There's value there that the owner would obviously benefit from. The, uh, you know, the, the, the buyer, I should say, from the from the previous owner. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, a lot of times people don't think about lease up time. You know, when you think about units, I mean, when you create those amenities that people are seeking, you know, the likelihood of you having downtime in your units shrinks. So what's the value proposition there? If it takes you two or three less days per unit to lease your your units, that's going to add significant value to your to your offering as well. So there's a lot of different nodes you can take from this to say, okay, not only could I potentially generate more revenue through, you know, offering this as a, a quote unquote, you know, offering and then, you know, charging the tenants for it, which again, value for them because they're going to pay less than they would if they go out into the marketplace and get, you know, their own spectrum or Cox or whatever other uh, provider for internet. And not only that, but my lease lease up time hopefully shrinks as well because it's a lot more attractive of an offering when compared to other offerings in the marketplace. So I could definitely and, and see the value. On, this only works if the provider is providing really great service or what we what we call um, I'm going to use a bad word, but we call it kick ass Wi Fi. I mean, because it has to work, and if it doesn't, then you're really not. You could, you could, you know, buy it, you know, for five dollars unit. But if the service is lousy, the resident's going to hate it anyway, and they're going to try to go to the the property across the street. So the key is is to provide a service that is essentially flawless. You you give the resident, um, or you you take away a barrier for the resident. Why would you ask your resident? to jump through hoops when they move in. You want, I would think, I'm not a landlord, right? But I would think you want it as easy as possible for that resident to move in. And one way to do that is by taking things away. So why why have to call the cable company to go get your internet set up? And then now it's that hassle. We've all done it. We've been on the phone or we go to the, the cable store to pick up the equipment. We do a self-install. It doesn't install right. It's a pain in the butt. That's that's one problem. And then, you know, second is you have all of these commercial grade modems in a, in a property that are the the, the Wi-Fi spectrum that it, it's it's congested. And those those modems are stepping on each other. You know, you live in an apartment um, that doesn't have managed Wi-Fi or even a house. And what do you do? Look at the look at the network's. In your on your phone, you know, where you connect to yours, you see 10 or 20 or 30 other ones, right? So that's other uh, just kind of rogue equipment that's out there that's just going to create a problem. Um, and if you're not providing good customer service and a reliable, reliable service, so less than um, half of 1% of all of our end users submit a trouble ticket on an annual basis. So our KPIs and our metrics kind of speak for themselves. We answer the phone with a live person in 15 seconds or less. And we resolve trouble tickets in 
eight minutes or less. And a lot of times the trouble tickets that we see are just password related. It's not the service was bad. So our KPIs are something that we take very seriously. We, we kind of think of ourselves as, as a service and support company first and an internet company second. We want to deliver a flawless experience. It doesn't mean it's perfect, but we build it right. We do it right so we can support it and manage it right. So your resident, the, the residents that you're, you know, your listeners are, can, be, can be assured that their resident is going to have a great experience when it comes to the internet. That's, that's what we want to, we want to deliver is that assurance. So the resident will stay and not go to the leasing office and start saying, well, this, you know, the internet here, you know, blankety blank and it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and, and like you said, I think the, the way that people work within a space, no, obviously this is a residential standpoint, but a lot of people, when they go to work, they go to work and they come home and then they, are on Wi-Fi or the internet the remainder of the night. Some even work from home. So the fact that you yeah. can offer, you know, an, something that that can guarantee great upload download speeds, make sure that their their internet experience is seamless. I mean, that in my opinion is probably one of the best amenities you could offer someone in today's day and age. So you know, I definitely think that you know the offering that you guys are providing is pretty pretty awesome, and and I'm looking forward to seeing how that you know how you you guys continue to grow going forward. And that's that's kind of leads me to my next question is that. What do you think the future of, you know, your guys' company is like, what, 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 I guess your, are your goals from a, you know, business acquisition standpoint and also, you know, maybe some verticals you're looking to explore in the future. So right now we're like, I said earlier, we're probably 50% existing 50% um, new construction, probably a majority. So we, we, the company was started in 96 in state college, Pennsylvania, if people know, your listeners know, that's home for a Penn State University, very large university. We serve probably 80, 90% of all the off-campus student housing for Penn State University. So that's where the company grew from there. And we're now in 22 states, growing fast, but not getting out over our skis. We don't want to grow so fast that the customer experience starts to suffer. That's extremely important. Where we see growth for our company is new construction is really starting to take off where that's almost now a given that's that a developer owner is going to put in managed Wi-Fi. It's it's just it's not even it's not even an option. And it's you know 60, 70 unit properties. It's not the big two, three, four hundred-ish big properties. And then we're also seeing a shift. Student housing was really the early ad- ad- adopter for managed Wi-Fi for obvious reasons, right? College kids move in, they're big users of internet. So the student housing market really saw, you know, they, they, they got on this right away, much like hospitality and hotels. We're also now seeing a big affordable housing is huge and a big growth area for us and value add properties. Are, are, so it's not just the big luxury, a you know mid-rise, high-rise properties you know, in Miami. You know, it's 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 those value-add properties that are obviously good investment markets where the cap rates are attractive for investors, but their their you know their underwriting is is including 
when they do their capital, it, it's including putting in a managed Wi-Fi system. You're, you're looking at, on average, about $1,000 a unit to install a system and do it right. And that includes the wiring, the electronics, the network, everything from soup to nuts. So there, it, it's, it is, it's almost like this is a, just a great space to be in because it's, it's not even, we have so much business just coming to us now because it, it, I mean, the, the words got out, gotten out, I guess, you know, it's not really a secret anymore. And then to add on to that, it's the IOT, the internet of things and the smart apartment stuff that everybody's hearing about prop tech that, that you keep hearing about. It's adding on that technology now, in addition to a managed Wi-Fi network where they're doing the smart locks and they're doing the leak detection and perimeter control, video surveillance. All of those devices need a network to ride on. Yep. And and they and they probably need a pretty powerful network as you start adding on more and more things that 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 require this, you know, upload, download, you know, the robust upload download uh system. So I hundred percent agree with you. And you know, that that that's an interesting, you know, take on it in that you know the de the demands for this type of product is going to increase over time i mean all new a lot of new product that comes to market tenants are going to demand it and that's one of the big takeaways i went to the cretech uh conference to, to, in 2021 uh mm -hmm. in new york city and they you know obviously had phenomenal speakers and ceos from different tech companies talking about different things and one of the biggest takeaways that i got from the conference is that commercial real estate is is shifting from its you know lag as far as technological adoption now because the tenants are starting to demand it like there's no, there's yeah. no there's no longer a a incentive from an owner's perspective to just sit on their laurels and just kind of not no. think about the, these types of situations and so now you're starting to see a big shift and you know I'm sure that only is going to continue to accelerate going forward mm -hmm. 100% Definitely. So one, so one of the things I, you know, we love to ask our, our guests is um, we're all avid readers. You know, I, I, I love di reading different types of books uh, on all different types of subjects. And so one of the things we like to ask is what is one of the most impactful books that you've ever read in your life? And it doesn't have to be commercial real estate related per se, but you know, I just wanted to get your take on it. Um, so uh, what is it? Um, Ryan holiday is, yeah. is a, a, a an author that I, I'm into quite a bit, The Obstacles Way. I love all of his books. And you know, I'm I am a, a, an avid nonfiction reader. I actually had this conversation with with uh with somebody yesterday about reading, and they're big into, into fiction. I'm like, ah, I just can't, I just can't do it. I just I can't. I'll watch the movie and then, and then rather than read the book. But I love I love nonfiction. But, you know, you should feed your mind, you know, try to turn everything off at the end of the night and, you know, shut the devices down and read a book and, you know, whether it's a fiction or nonfiction book. But, yeah, I'm, I'm into nonfiction quite a bit. Love, love Ryan Holiday stuff quite a bit. 
Absolutely. Yeah. The way I, the way I describe with books is that it just gives you another layer layer to add to the tapestry. That is the, you know, the way that you view the world and make decisions in life, because if you have more data to draw on and life experiences to draw on, even though there may not, may not be your own. I mean, the fact that you referenced Ryan holiday, I mean, he referenced in the obstacle is the way he references a bunch of different people who were able to overcome stuff through just taking through that adversity. You, now you have their life experiences that you, that you can add to that corpus of data in your brain so it's a uh, pretty pretty impressive I, I, I that's why i always say like it's important to just set set aside even if it's five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day just read a, yeah. five or 10 pages it adds up super quick so feed, feed your mind keep that mental absolutely mental absolutely well todd you know, we greatly appreciate your time. You know, I know you're a busy individual. Thank I'm glad you. I'm glad we were able to get this done. I know we we actually had, for those of you guys who are listening, we had to reschedule this twice, unfortunately, just because of some scheduling conflicts. But I'm really, really glad we were able to get that sit down and talk a little Likewise. bit about your story and, and dojo. It seems like you guys are gonna be doing great things going forward as well. Um, so if you know, as far as what we usually ask our guests at the end of the podcast is we have this uh thing called the CRE treasure chest. It's a repository mm-hmm. of resources that we make available to our audience and Usually our guests contribute something like a helpful PDF, ebook, spreadsheet, really anything they think would be of value to our audience. So if you don't mind kind of sharing what you're willing to contribute today. So I have a, a great case study that I think that they would enjoy. And it has to do with a stray bullet and a sprinkler. And that's all I'm going to say. They'll have to go to the treasure chest to read it. So hopefully that was enough of a tease to get, to get them to go I'm going to have to read it too. So I'll get, I'll probably get a sneak peek ahead of time, but you know, in the the meantime, you guys should definitely check it out and we'll add that to the treasure chest link as well. But uh, like I said, Todd, thanks again for your time. If people wanted to reach out, learn more about Dojo Networks or really just, you know, be able to get in contact with you for any reason, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Two ways. So LinkedIn, you know, my profile pretty active on LinkedIn so that's a great way. And my email and my uh, phone number are on my profile. So you can connect with me that way. Send me a connection request, DM, whatever. I love that. And then we also uh, attend a lot of the trade shows. So we're going to be um, at the IMN show coming up this year. And we're going to be in Dallas, uh, Atlanta. So, um, you know, and we post a lot about that where we're going to be at those shows. So if you if you are going to be attending any of those shows, let's connect and, and hook up because that's another another way for us to kind of get to know each other. And I, I'm always willing to just answer questions, right? Free advice. You, you know, I, I I it's important. That's what I think I said at the beginning of the show. It, you've got to lift each other up and help each other. Um, I'm not. It's, it's not got to be uh, making money, right? That's what we're here for. But at the same time. You know, I'm here to answer questions for people anytime. Reach out to me. Absolutely. And that's a great that's a great attitude to have because at the end of the day, the more you give to the to the world, the universe has a way of working to where, you know, things yeah. just come back around. So I'm sure there's Absolutely. a lot of people that are willing to take you up on that. And I'm sure they're gonna be thankful for the advice and, and insight that you share on that front. So again, Todd. Thanks again so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. For those of you guys who are watching this on YouTube, we would greatly appreciate it if you could like and subscribe to this channel. It really does make a difference with the YouTube algorithm and ensures more and more people can hear this message. If you guys are listening to this in a podcast format, whether that's Apple, Spotify, whatever else, please, please, please leave a five-star review. It's made a huge impact on our ability to reach a broader audience, and we've seen a significant uptick in our downloads as a result. So thanks again so much for tuning in, and we'll see you all next time. 